Well, let's look at Acts chapter 8 this morning. Acts chapter 8. And if you're new or visiting, we do have a, our south lobby over here is our mission lobby. And uh, everything that everyone gives financially, whether it's through electronics or paper, whatever it might be, um, the church has over the years has been giving more and more. And so we take 20% of that and we put into a missions fund. And those funds, uh, you can see the results of those funds out in the south lobby. And especially when we get to heaven, uh, we have no idea what God is doing. With, I mean, we have some idea, but very little, what God is doing. And we will find out in heaven. So that's really exciting. Well, we're in Acts chapter 8 this morning. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to sit because I had a long week. So God's got a plan and purpose. You know, in the old days, the rabbi would actually sit and the students would actually stand. So let's try it. For the next 40 minutes, you all stand, and uh, we'll see how it works. That way people don't fall asleep. It's hard to fall asleep when you're standing. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. Let's pick it up in verse 26. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Now, when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotas, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Father, we thank you again that we continue in our worship of you. As we know, Lord, worship is truly 24-7. It's not just a few songs before a service. It's a life. It's a Bible-believing Christian's life surrendered to you. And so, Father, even for these few moments in eternity, we we surrender our, our hearts and our minds to you, to your word, to your Holy Spirit this morning. 
Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. Make things clear. Exhort us, comfort us, rebuke us if necessary, individually, corporately, whatever the case may be. You know, you know what's best. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we saw Philip, who was one of the original seven deacons of the church. And he was instructed to leave a thriving ministry. You can get the CD, they're free, they're on the back wall over there. In a lush area of Israel, he was called south, called into the desert. No further, at this point, no further instructions were given. But he trusted in the Lord and he obeyed his instructions. After several days of walking, which could have been up to past 30 plus miles, he came upon a caravan traveling from Jerusalem to Africa. And we learned that Philip had an appointment from God. We spoke about that in depth last week with a very important Ethiopian financial official. And this appointment is going to lead to the salvation of this man, and I'm sure impacted for many years those who had crossed his path. So let's look at Isaiah 53. Let's look at Isaiah 53. And um, I've learned over the years, especially from a, a Messianic, who was born and raised in Israel, was born and raised in an Orthodox family, that when they read Isaiah, or when she went to school and was taught the book of Isaiah, they purposely skipped over Isaiah 53. Purposely. Kind of interesting. So, Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So if you're new to the Bible, the he here could either be God, or now that we know we have the New Testament, we know it to be Jesus. And so it would be very easy for you to substitute those words. This is a messianic uh, portion of scripture here. He is despised and rejected by men, so not God, but the Messiah whom we know to be Jesus, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So if you'd like, otherwise I'll just read it. You can turn to First Peter. Keep your hand in Isaiah because we're coming right back to it. But first Peter chapter two, or you can write it down, reference it later. For to, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And he goes on to say first Peter, or Peter, sorry, first Peter two twenty two, who committed no sin. Very, very important. Who committed no sin. Jesus is the spotless lamb of God. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. 
who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him, to the Father, who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So Peter speaking of the crucifixion. That we, Bible-believing Christians, having died to sins, might live for righteousness or being right with God, by whose stripes you were healed. Speaking of eternal healing. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So Jesus being that great shepherd. So back in Isaiah, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, verse 7. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Keep your hand there if you'd like to turn to Matthew 26 or write it down. Matthew 26, verse 62. And the high priest arose and said to Jesus, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify of you? But Jesus kept silence. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, Greek New Testament, Messiah. Tell us if you are the Messiah, Hebrew Old Testament, the son of God. You see, they knew then, as they know today, to proclaim that you are the son of God means that you are God. Even though the religions, many, most religions of the earth will say he wasn't God, he was a great prophet, he was a good teacher, um, he was Michael the Archangel reincarnated, he was the spirit brother of Lucifer. They do have an opinion about Jesus. And so we gotta go back to the word of God to find out what the word of God tells us about Jesus. So even here the high priest says, so are you the Messiah? Just tell us, would you? Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Told them straight up. Yes. So when people say, well, nowhere in the Bible to say Jesus is God. Jesus never proclaimed he was God. Here's another verse that you can add to your study, to your list. He says very clearly, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man. Referencing that phrase back to Daniel of the Messiah coming. Sitting at the right hand of the power. And coming on the clouds of heaven. Is that pretty clear? Do you need to be a Greek scholar to interpret that? No. It's very, very clear. Then the high priest. So if you don't think it's clear, well, let's just keep reading on because it was perfectly clear to them. Then the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. This is very serious. So they they were saying, the high priest saying, he just said he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, which would make him God. That's blasphemy. There's no doubt that Jesus spoke these words. 
What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? So the Sanhedrin, those who were gathered that night, which was against the law, by the way, they answered and says, he is deserving of death. The crucifixion. Back in Isaiah 53, verse 9, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressions, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's all look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And there's many other verses, I'm sure, if you've been in the Lord any amount of time, that as I was reading that, other verses were probably popping into your mind as well. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. So many, many prophecies were fulfilled. We won't get ahead of ourselves. So let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And what do we have in our chapter here? An appointment. Philip had a ministry, a, a wonderful ministry in lush area of Israel. He was told, go to the desert. He obeyed. Why? For one man. For one man. You see, God is interested in every single soul. And so here we see Paul is addressing in Romans, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And you might be sitting here this morning, well, we have a preacher, that's you. Well, on Sunday morning, I'm really not a preacher, I'm a teacher. I have 40 to 45 minutes to disciple you, to teach you the word of God, because the Bible says in Ephesians that the main role of the pastor, the main role of the pastor is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That is my main calling. So the work of the ministry is here on this campus, the community, and around the whole world. But unfortunately, many times we just think of, well, the pastor does the preaching and I do the listening and then I go out and live my life. No, no, that's not. The role of the pastor is to edify you, encourage you, build you up, rebuke you at times for the edit, for the building up of the ministry, for the work of the ministry, for you to go out to see what that means in your life on any particular day, at any moment of that day. For ministry happens anywhere if we're open to that. And how shall they be preached unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Feel free right now. Look down at your feet. Don't, don't be afraid. Look down at your feet. I got black shoes on. I'm trying to comfort my back. Did you all look at your feet? Those right there are what gets you to the mission field. And the, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Back in Acts chapter 
8, verses 32 and 33 specifically. So we see the calling of Philip, but is it also our calling as well? The place of the scripture which he read was this, and so we read over that. Notice that as the official was heading home, he was meditating on the word of God. That's what I want to point out here. He was meditating on the word of God. Because notice, this man, had he had wealth, he had power, he had everything the world could offer at one time, but he was still seeking. He was still seeking. And it's a good example for us as believers. So I have a few questions here. What do we listen to when we're driving home? What do we listen to when we're driving home? Or when we're traveling? Or when we're going to work? What are we listening to? Are we listening to talk radio that gets us all worked up over the politics of the day? Or are we maybe listening to Christian music to get us ready for the battle at hand? Are we maybe listening to the word of God being taught on the way home or the way to work? Or while I'm, I listen to the word of God, I listen to other pastor teaching when I'm out doing landscaping. That's, it's a no-brainer, doesn't take a whole lot. It's my time to be ministered to. So how do we use our time is basically the question I'm asking. How do we use our time? Here this official is heading back to Egypt. He could have been doing anything, but he's spending time in the word of God. Another question, are we giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to talk with us? I think this is really, really important, especially in the environment that we live right now, where everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, where a lot of people are checking their cell phone every five seconds, or they're getting a ding every 30 seconds. And you can see as you're having a conversation with them stressing out, because they want to be polite and not turn away from you, but they just heard a ding. It's got to be something really important. And you just basically have to say, you know what, go ahead and check it. I could tell, just go ahead and check it. So I'd encourage you when you have meetings, when you go out to dinner, when you're with someone and having a conversation, I would encourage you to turn your phone off. Turn it to vibrate, at least, so you're not hearing a bunch of dings all the time. Get into that habit of giving your attention to the Lord and to those whom you're with. It's amazing how much communication we have as a society now, which you would think it would improve communication. How many of you think it's improved communication? Show of hands. How many of you think it's improved communication? And don't be afraid if you have. Raise your hand. We're not going to stone you. It's amazing, isn't it? Yet it's supposed to improve communication. It's actually building walls around us where we're more interested in just ourselves and what we have in our pocket instead of what's going on around us. You see, as we listen to and meditate on God's word, we will have the answer for those who are seeking after God. And what is the answer? Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How is faith coming into this Ethiopian's life? Philip is opening the word of God. He's just, oh, you were reading Isaiah? Let's talk about that. And and he just stuck with the word of God. Verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. So notice what took place here. Philip didn't get in there and just blast him with the word of God. You're a heathen going to hell. He listened. He listened and he allowed the person to express his own heart, which to me is just phenomenal. This man, okay, I read it. I want to know who's he talking about. Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about Isaiah? Who's he talking about? 
Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Judaism to him. Is that what your Bible says? What does your Bible say? Preach Jesus. Not Calvary Chapel. Preach Jesus. Not Roman Catholicism, not Mormonism, not Jehovah Witness, not Islam. Jesus, Jesus. And guys, that's for us as well. We're just to preach about Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit gave Philip the wisdom necessary to answer this man's question. But notice what he did. He stayed with the scriptures that the official was reading and then talked to this man about Jesus. He didn't talk to him about Judaism or politics or his chariot or the latest fads. It was all about Jesus because the Old Testament was written over hundreds of years, roughly 1,400 years, and brought together as one in 450 B.C., This was hundreds of years prior to Jesus' birth and contains over 300 prophecies of the Messiah that the Messiah would fulfill, which we now know Jesus did, of his life, death, and resurrection. So we got a little slide here. Mathematically speaking, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering. Mathematicians put it this way. One person fulfilling prophecy, eight prophecies is one to the 18th power. One to the 18th power. So how much is a thousand dollars? One with three zeros. Hundred thousand? One with five zeros. A million? One with six zeros. So when it says 18th power, that's what it's saying. One to the 18th power. So I'd be like saying today, well, there's going to be a, there's going to be a boy born in Arizona this coming week. Oh, wow. That's prophetic. So that's okay. That's pretty obvious. Low odds there. Obviously that's going to happen. That's going to, I mean, high odds. That's going to happen. Well, there's going to be a boy born this week in Scottsdale. Now you've created a problem. Now there has to be a boy born in Scottsdale. Well, there's going to be a boy born in Scottsdale on Wednesday. Now you've complicated it more. There's going to be a born, boy born in Scottsdale on Wednesday in the AM. See how it keeps, it's getting harder and harder and harder to f- fulfill that. So as these prophecies have increased, it gets harder to fulfill, which means the only person that could fill it is who? One person fulfilling 48 prophecies, one chance in 10, to the 157th power, one person fulfilling 300 plus prophecies, only Jesus, only Jesus. So maybe Philip referenced the Messiah's life. So I encourage you to write these scriptures down. I've got quite a few, so take too much time to turn to them all. Genesis 3.15, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and bring, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. How about Deuteronomy 18, 17 and 19? And the Lord said to him, to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet, a prophet, capital P. So speaking of the Messiah, like you from among your brethren, so a Jew, and will put my words in his mouth, God's words, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. How about Micah 5, 2 maybe? 
as Philip is just going over the scriptures. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from what? Everlasting. Eternity. That's God. So not just anybody. God is going to come. Well, how do we know that? Well, maybe Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, a virgin, shall conceive, that's a miracle, and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted what? God with us. How about Isaiah 9, 6 and 7? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with justice and judgment and justice. And from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The official here was meditating on Psalm 53, and we all just read it. So Philip possibly took him to Psalm 22, where there is a detailed description of the crucifixion. So again, because some of us will think, well, I don't know the scriptures. Well, I just gave you a few of them. Write them down. Know the address. Because, again, we just allow ourselves to get freaked out. Fear neutralizes faith. So when somebody says to us, well, how do you know Jesus is God? Well, then you could just have a few verses. Maybe write them down on an index card that you can give to somebody and say, hey, check these verses out. These are just a few. And you could even reference, you know, for one person to fulfill eight of these prophecies. So maybe you have ten of them written down. And just say one person fulfilling eight of these prophecies, one to the 18th power. Give them something to think about, maybe. It's incredible. There were so many prophecies, though, that point to Jesus being the Messiah, that the eunuch finally said, enough, enough, I get it. I get it. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. I understand. Let's look at 36 and 37. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So this man obviously understood that there was something about baptism, the Jewish faith. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, now listen to what he said. I believe that Jesus Christ, and again, if you're new to Christianity, and even if you're not new, you want to know this, so that when people show up at your door, and they got a little tag on that says, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can ask them a simple question, not intimidating them or causing fear or mocking or ridicule, but you can educate them a little bit because I have not one, I've not had one of them tell me what it means. I said, you have Jesus Christ in your name badge. Do you know what Christ means? No. Guys, it's not as, it's not a fulfillment and it's not his last name. That's a fulfillment of a title. And then I explain Christ means the anointed one in the Greek. And I tell him, I'm not a Greek scholar. You can find this in books. Messiah, Hebrew, the anointed one. It's the exact same, the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. He's not a spirit brother of Lucifer. He is literally the anointed one, the son of God, God with us. So you want to educate them with those few minutes that you might have. And you can do it. I know you can do it. I'm not a 
Nope, nothing great sitting here, guys. It's just going over the scriptures, over the scriptures, memorization, meditation. And so Philip's asking him a very simple question, which is not in our text. I'm not reading into the text, but I didn't list everything because I wasn't there. But I can guarantee you that Philip would have spoken about the resurrection. He would have absolutely spoken about the death and resurrection of Jesus. So do you believe Jesus is the Messiah and in the resurrection? Well, do we see that in the scriptures? Well, Romans 10, 8 through 10 says this. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you're here this morning, you do not have Jesus as your savior. And if this is making sense and the Holy Spirit is wooing you, para, he's wooing you to the cross, you have to make a decision. And if you leave here without making a decision for Jesus, you made a decision. You want to make sure that you accept Jesus as your Savior because no one knows the day or the hour that we're going to leave this earth. Verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. I mean, this is just amazing. Nothing ornate. Nothing ornate. Nothing ceremonial, just a pool of water. You see, this this influential man definitely would have had a whole entourage with him as we talked about last week to meet his daily needs. So they're all listening, and now they're watching what is going on. And Philip and Eunuch go out on in this pool of water and publicly declare his newfound faith. And I, and I just wondered as I was reading the story, how many of those who were with this official eventually received Jesus as their Savior? We have no idea. But heaven is going to be a wonderful place filled with unending testimonies, guys. And who knows? We will find this eunuch there, and we'll hear the testimony. Verses 39 and 40. And now when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azutas, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So could this be a miraculous situation where he just vanished, disappeared? I would never limit God, that's for sure. So I'm not going to say, no, it didn't happen, or yes, it did happen. I'm just going to let it be. I don't know. God does. That's it. We'll leave that aspect of the story up to God and find out when we get to heaven. But what we do know for sure is this, that the Holy Spirit directed Philip to Azatos, which is also called Ashdod. Ashdod. Now, if you're familiar with the scriptures, you're going to go, wait a minute, that sounds familiar, which was one of the ancient cities of the Philistines. This city is only a few miles east of the Mediterranean Sea and about 60 miles directly south of Caesarea. So on the way up the coast, one of the major towns that Philip would have gone through would have been Joppa. Joppa. Does that ring a bell in your minds at all? If you read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it's going to. It was in that city that Jonah went to to catch a boat ride in order to flee from the presence of the Lord. Philip most likely found himself going through and preaching about Jesus to this very city. And Joppa is our first stop in our tour in 2021 when we go to Israel, by the way. So it's still there today. It's a thriving city. There's a lot of other things we can talk about Joppa. We won't. But here we see the eunuch heading home rejoicing. Notice that he's rejoicing. He has found Jesus at the end of verse 39 there. So that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way 
rejoicing. Rejoicing that they finally come to the full revelation and realization of who the Messiah was and is, Jesus of Nazareth. You see, guys, he came with sincerity to worship God in Jerusalem. He came. And now he is worshiping God wherever he goes. Wherever he goes. Because it's not about religion. Again, if you're with us this morning, you do not have a personal relationship with God via Jesus, we're not gathered here about religion. It's about a relationship. And we want to keep that in our minds as we go out this week to serve the Lord, knowing that we have the blessed feet of the gospel. God wants to use us. And so as we just look at this chapter, I mean, it's an amazing chapter. An adventurous life we see here of Philip's life. He was willing to be used of the Lord. What's the big takeaways? He was willing to be used of the Lord. And here we find in this chapter of the book of Acts what can happen. Willing to be used of the Lord. What can happen to anyone, anyone, who wholeheartedly commits their lives to the Lord's service. And we'll we'll wrap it up with this. Remember, whether single or married. Remember, Philip is single at this point, but he is going to become married. And he'll be married next time we see him. He'll be in Caesarea. And he'll have four daughters. Whether young or old, you saints in your 70s and 80s, I say this often, there's no such thing as Christian retirement. You should not be retired from your testimony, from your walk. You should be out seeing who you can minister to and get the gospel to them. You're not too young to minister the gospel because you have friends around you who do not know Jesus. They know Joseph Smith. They know other people, but they really do not know who Jesus is. So you have opportunity to share Jesus with them. You see, it's a great exhortation for us all. Philip is just a great example, guys. A great example of a humble, all started out with humility. Seven men waiting upon the widows gathered in Jerusalem. Waiting on the widows. How can I help you? How can I help take care of you? Let me get you some food. Humility, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you that we are servants. Your son is the king. He is the king of all kings, lowercase king, and he is the Lord, capital L, of all lords, lowercase l. He is our master, capital M. Yet, he's also called our brother, that we are co-errors. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessed title of servants. For even as Jesus taught his disciples, do you want to be great in the kingdom? Then you get to serve everybody. (laughs) Father, we thank you for that biblical example of greatness. That the way up is down. Humbly serving anyone who may cross our path this week. Looking for those divine appointments. Even as Philip, I'm sure as he was walking, he was, he was looking for that divine appointment. Why would you have me go to the desert? Why? This is not wasted in your kingdom. Philip knew that. And then, then there was that moment in time. Go join that chariot. Father, there are people who are going to cross our path this week. Help us to not just be in our own little world all the time. 
We do have responsibilities and we do need to be focused. But Father, even in that time of being focused, help us to be sensitive to those things that are happening around us. That we might be able to minister to maybe just one individual, maybe only for five seconds. Or maybe it'll turn into five minutes. Or maybe it'll really mess our schedule up and it'll be 50 minutes. Mess up our schedule, Lord, for eternity. Because as we serve you, we're storing up treasure in heaven. We're not doing it for self-righteousness sake. We're not doing it for Christianity. We're serving because Jesus said, Store up treasure in heaven. That's what we want to do, Father. Because everything else is going to burn according to your word. So, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. That as we go forth, we'll be ready to give a person an answer for the living hope. Even though these bodies decay, we've got a brand new body waiting for us. It's a living hope. Encourage us, strengthen us, use us this week for your glory, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. When we all stand, guys, if you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you have not received Jesus as your Savior, today is the day of salvation. Please come up and receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, guys. God bless you. Have a great week. Uh, Darrell is in Romans. We encourage you to come out for Romans. And he's going to be covering Romans chapter 8. 18 through 30, the big picture. And we do have child care available, so please come out Wednesday night. There's nothing good on TV, I can guarantee you that. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Let's make this our prayer. Shout it. Scream it from the mountains. Tell it to the masses. As Philip went out, Lord presented that opportunity for all of us, each and every one of you, you have an opportunity, whether it's in your neighborhood or at work. We want to proclaim Jesus' name and how we walk and talk. Let's sing this out. Shout it, go it, scream it from the mountains, go Tell it to the masses that He is God. Shout Go on and scream it from the mountain. Go on and tell it to the
的。